You're listening to Mobile Bunny by Moo Moo, demystifying markets one episode at a time. This content is strictly for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be interpreted as a recommendation or investment guidance. Keep in mind that this information is not personalized and should not be the sole basis for your investment decisions as there may be additional factors to consider. Hi, welcome to Mobile Money by Moomoo. I'm your host, Justin Zacks, Vice President of Strategy at Moomoo Technologies. I've spent my whole career in and around financial markets. This is a show that helps investors gain a better understanding of markets and their money. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, all the way from Singapore, uh, it's Olivia Higgins. Uh, welcome, Olivia. Pleasure being here at Moomoo Technologies and, of course, in person with Justin Zacks. You've seen us a couple of times on the Moo community and on our live webinars. And uh, just a little bit about myself. I come from Singapore, but I'm actually Singaporean Australian. Um, and I've actually lived all over the world, but particularly in Los Angeles. And now I'm back here in Jersey City, New York, you know, just exploring the area. In Moomoo, Singapore, I'm the lead presenter and we're always crafting content just to make it both entertaining and also educational for everyone. Really happy to be here, Justin. Well, thanks to have you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Singapore and, and the U.S. and what some of those differences are. Justin, I do have a question. Let's kickstart the topic on the expenses between both countries, Singapore and New York. But Singapore has topped the charts for 11 years, nine times. That's surprising to me because everyone knows how expensive uh, New York is. The average rent in Manhattan, take a guess. Oh my goodness. <laughs> per month in USD, I would say 7K. Uh, it's actually not that high. 40, oh, it's not that high. <laughs> $4,300. But okay. that's a lot of money for a lot of people. So an uh, average apartment to buy. Mm. To buy, how much do you think? To buy. Okay, so I would say perhaps... Just a normal sized bachelor. Between one bedroom and two bedrooms. So 700,000. Uh, it's one, 1. 1.6 million. Okay, so 1.6 million. It gives you an idea very, very of, close of, to of, Singapore. of those costs. And, and obviously, you know, Manhattan is an island. Mm -hmm. Singapore is an island. Hard to get everything there. And so that must mm -hmm. be something that drives the cost. Yes. I mean, in Singapore, I mean, it's definitely very competitive in that sense, but also because we are extracting so many people from around Asia Pacific and the world. So we're trying to also accommodate for the local population, uh, both the cost of living of everyone, but at the same time, trying to figure out how we can remain competitive and keep it livable for people, right? I mean, that's something that the new generation is trying to figure out. You know, we have a lot of people that make a lot of money and obviously they're mm -hmm. not having too many problems. They, they, they do complain about their taxes, but- uh, Everyone does. <laughs> but uh, it's really on the lower end yes. that, that people are struggling and there, there has been an effort to pay what, what is called a livable wage. In some of these high cost states, You've seen them increase uh, as much as $15 and, and beyond. Uh, and, and still, $15 is really not enough to get by in Manhattan, even if you work, even, probably even if you work 60 hours, just, not just 40 hours, it's still not enough to pay those types of rents and cover your health care costs and, and everything else. It's a real struggle for a lot of people on the, on the low end. Mm -hmm. The tipping culture in the U.S. <laughs> so that's something that a lot of the world, you know, they're trying to always uh, try to adapt to, right? So let's try to make sense of that. You know, how does that relate to the minimum wage? Good question, because in, in certain states, you have a regular minimum wage. If you work in 
somewhere where mm-hmm. that's a tip job, say a, a waiter or a waitress, two mm-hmm. or three dollars would be uh, the minimum that you can make. People would then expect customers mm-hmm. to determine your salary. And, and to me, it, it is a little bit crazy. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be better that your manager determines what how much money you make, not uh, someone that's having a bad day and doesn't want to give you a good tip yeah. or, or, you <laughs> know, or the other way, they give you a massive way, tip yeah. and, then, and then your your coworker doesn't get it and you just mm-hmm. happen to luck out. It's, it's become a de facto thing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and, and uh, certain places mm-hmm. have tried to do away with it, but they don't want that. Americans love to have control. So mm-hmm. they, they want to mm-hmm. be able to tip and, and determine <laughs> these types of things. So the, I don't think the tipping culture is going away. And in mm-hmm. fact, it's it's kind of gone the opposite way now. For instance, just a cash register person that's ringing you up, say 10 years ago, people did not tip. We do have something called the GST, goods and services tax, the informal tip, but that actually doesn't go directly to the person serving you. It does go to the business and then ultimately to the government. And what about what about income tax? I know here in the US, you know, people at the top pay more percent. And the people at the bottom pay a little bit less percent, but on average, it's it's still quite high. And, and probably the mm-hmm. median person pays maybe around twenty five percent of their income. The, the biggest chunk is federal, but we have state taxes. And then your mm-hmm. lo- local town or city may also have a tax on income. Some of them do. Uh, New York City does twenty five percent. That's that's a big chunk. And people think, well, I make, uh, you know, you make a good wage, and then right off the bat, twenty five percent. What what about in Singapore? So in Singapore, it's also progressive. Uh, so it goes by brackets, but you got to hit a particular minimum uh, salary to then have to pay tax. So everyone doesn't have to pay tax. You pay it in different forms, maybe in your day to day living, in your, you know, when you go to a restaurant and stuff, all that accumulated will eventually go to the government. They really want to make sure that they retain that competitiveness. So they want to keep that tax rate as low as possible. You know, how does, you know, what does savings look like here? You know, we're, Mumu is here, we're an investing app and we're trying to help people, uh, you know, with their financial future. And that could be difficult if you can't even save any money. So, you know, how does, how does right. savings look in Singapore? So in Singapore, there's a forced saving system. So every month your employer has to pay something called the CPF, which is called the Central Provident Fund. And that's just a percentage of your monthly income that is paid by your employer, which you can't touch until you decide to actually check out at a particular age um, or if you meet the requirements, it's part of your income. And then we minus the CPF and that's where we get the net income. As of 2023, the average salary in Singapore is actually 5783 per month. What I found very interesting, if you look at GDP, mm-hmm. Singapore per capita mm-hmm. is the third uh, best uh, per capita GDP of, of any country and the US is only 10. That shows that, you know, Singaporeans are that are able to earn that money, but it's still, uh, the wage uh, is still tough given how expensive everything is. You know, the real wages have, are starting right. to creep up here a little bit, but it, it's I very mean, tough. I mean, Singapore too, you know, the, the salaries are not increasing as fast as the inflationary environment. There are concerns with that. Um, and I think that's where the government actually steps in and give like incentives to like the lower and medium income yeah. families. Um, but also you can be super successful, prosperous, but at the same time, you know, you need the right uh, people in place to maintain uh, some sort of balance. Let's talk about Gini coefficient then. Can you explain to everybody what that means? I'm sure some of our listeners might not understand. It's actually an index, right? To actually determine, you know, what is the difference between or the gap between the highest 
earners in the country and also the lowest. Yeah, countries may have. So if everyone you know made the same amount, they would you know that would be much different than if uh, one person made all the money and everyone else made right. almost nothing. And so in, in the U.S., what they call a wealth gap, one of the bigger wealth gaps among developed nations. In the U.S., about 58% of households mm-hmm. have a, a brokerage account. And, you know, in Mumu, we really want to change that. Americans in general are not great savers. The personal savings rate is about 4% of your income mm-hmm. at, uh, right now. And it's it's averaged probably a little over 8%. But that's not much, uh, when, you know, when you're saving for... Mm-hmm. A house, college, which is, you know, if which you're, is you're, a huge yeah. part. That college so, debt <laughs> is something that everyone talks about, right? And that sometimes set people back in terms yeah. of how they can move forward. Yeah, and how can they can save if you have to pay for college or yeah. you take out loans to pay for college, you're paying those back. So, you know, you want to save for a house and you want to save for retirement. I'm curious to know about Singapore because I actually, not, I'm really not sure. You can't really fully explain it, but I think it's it's more of how everyone um, talks about finances. Like we actually talk about it with our families. My dad would always talk about investments and like this is how you can do business and all that. My mom's always talking about saving and making sure that you only, you know, spend on what you need. Now, that's good to hear because in the U.S., it's it's really the opposite. A lot of parents don't talk mm-hmm. with their children about money. It's not taught in mm-hmm. schools at all uh, at the primary level and very little. I think uh, that can be better all over know. the world, <laughs> right? But I know you guys also move out of the house really early, right? At 18? Yeah. So okay. a lot of people are thrown into that. Is that the norm? <laughs> No, uh, it's it, it, it's changing. I mean, it's it, it used to be the norm because you could afford to do so. But yeah. now I think, you know, people go to college now. So it used to be not as many people went to college. Now a lot of people are going to college, so they may move mm-hmm. out after college. Uh, but it has become so expensive mm-hmm. housing wise that a lot of people are delaying that and they're moving back in with their parents after college so that they can save enough money for a down payment mm-hmm. or, or at least uh, for, you know, a couple years of rent. A lot of people live with their parents for a long time until they get married because just purchasing a house, you have to be married to actually apply for the house. And then you have to wait about two years for that to uh, be built. So they call that, you know, the built to order homes. Um, and they call it BTO in Singapore. Um, and this is part of the housing development uh, board in Singapore that actually really, really helps with the costs you know, in Singapore, it's just really hard um, for because of the population, and the size. So they have to make sure that, you know, they cater to the future generation. I'm just also curious, you know, in terms of investing, you know, what are what are Singaporeans interested in investing in? You know, I always think of Singapore as being this high tech center. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they really interested in the, these technology stocks or mm-hmm. what, what What moves the needle? U.S. market. That's number <laughs> one. I think a lot of the times we're, we're talking about the U.S. market, definitely the tech sectors, you know, what is hot right now. They're always in the know. We have, you know. A lot of conversations, even just with friends about, you know, what's upcoming. But I think at the moment, especially last year, we had a lot of conversations about REITs. So we're talking about the real estate investment. So do you have to be married to buy one of those? (laughs) (laughs) No, fortunately not. Um, But, you know, the REIT sector, you know, we're talking about even sustainability. So Singapore has a green plan for 2030. We're trying to really push uh, for just full electric vehicles on the street. Singaporeans and also residents investing in the sustainability themes, um, a lot of green farming, vertical farming. Singapore, you've got all these buildings, very, very similar to New York. If you look at our skyline, of course, New York is much bigger. But in Singapore, a lot of the buildings have 
plants on them. Out of this world architecture, I mean, if you go to Singapore, you go to the cloud forest um, or the flower dome created um, indoors um, as a self-sustaining system. So we need to create these things in buildings. If we can have a controlled environment using tech, um, we can definitely start to create more resources. And, and that's just a testament. When I think of the U.S., we have so many great natural resources, great farming uh, system. And, and so we have so much of that. We don't have to import it. You have abundant resources, but in Singapore, you know, we only have talent. That's our export, right? That's our expertise as well. We rely on people because we don't have that. We're just an island city. Over the years, they've gotten incredibly creative. So one thing is new water. Do you know what that is? No, no, no. What, what is that? <laughs> so that's actually water that's recycled. And one of the recycling places, of course, comes from the toilets and urine. Uh, yeah. Well, how, but that's how, one how, way how, how to... How do people feel about drinking that water? <laughs> I mean, it, it tastes it tastes fine. The government decided we need to be self-sustaining, you know, self-reliant from that small city. I think that translates to the behavior of Singaporeans and also the residents that live there. Uh, sustainability is so important for, you know, for everyone, even if you have the resources, because mm. I don't care where you are, these fossil fuels will eventually run out and every country is going to have to think about alternatives mm -hmm. uh, for them. And, you know, here, here, you know, uh, a lot of people are interested in electrical vehicles. I know a lot of our, a lot yes. of our listeners are interested <laughs> in these stocks. We hear them from the U.S. perspective, though, it's such a big country, so it makes mm -hmm. it a lot harder to you know, do all these charging stations and, and the infrastructure becomes a, a but Singapore. It's kind of small, it's, mm -hmm. so maybe you guys can solve it faster. I heard it's it's expensive to have a car there. At, at yes. All, right? how, how does that work? Do you just, so, can you just go buy a car or no? How does it no, work? No, you don't. So we okay. So first of all, for the train systems, you know, their plan was to actually have a train station like 400 meters from every part of Singapore, right? So it just kind of interconnected. But the reason why they have to do that because most Singaporeans, yeah, don't own a car because it's just getting more expensive. And also with this EV movement in place, they're just gonna eradicate more cars on the road. Number one, because we don't have the space. Number two, it's also the, the cost, right? So there's something in Singapore called the COE, and that's a certificate of entitlement. That's the entitlement to own a car. So the car itself, it's the right to actually buy a car. You have to bid for it. So it doesn't mean that you actually get it. So right now, I've got the stats right here. It actually fluctuates. The certificate of entitlement, the COE premium for the open category, all-time high uh, at 152000 just to have the right to purchase a car. Then you look at the cars you want to buy, right? So you 152. <laughs> well, if, if you already if you could afford 152, you're probably going to want to buy a nice car yeah, at that probably, point. Exactly. Right? It's like no one's buying a $10,000 car. Exactly. So even if you had a $10,000 car in in the US, you can you can get quite good cars for that, right? But if you buy that same car in Singapore, it's going to be at least, you know, 100 200k. And then you have to tax on top of that. So altogether, you're looking oh. at 300, 400,000 for even just yeah, a that's, normal. Uh, Amer most Americans would find car. that pretty crazy. A lot of people in America, <laughs> you know, they, they want to make uh, cars affordable. But mm -hmm. the interesting part is we do have something very similar 
these entitlement licenses. And, and, and you know, I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about sports and, and, and oh, yes. all the American football, but uh, some of the <laughs> some of the American football stadiums, they have what's called a personal seat license. So you actually have to buy the license first, and that entitles you to buy tickets. To buy the and tickets these tickets are not cheap. I mean, they're no, nowhere near cheap. You think about New York, what do you think the difference is? And what, what do you find the most interesting or, or weird or, or different? New York has a charm to it, a lot of history. And what I notice is it's so similar to Singapore as well in terms of the people. Everybody was sort of always on the move, how much they really love culture. I think that that's something New York has. Um, and I want to experience more of that. A lot of great <laughs> culture here in New York. And, and I think a lot of people are really interested in that from art, to art food, sports, or history, you know, history all of it. You know, So yeah, uh, really interesting here. And, and, and again, uh, mm -hmm. it's great to have you here. Really, really happy to be here as well. And we're really looking forward to the content that we'll be producing together. We're going to go to the financial districts. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. So, you know, you know, if you're if you're watching, you know, listening to the podcast, uh, you know, Check us out in the community, uh, in the Moo community. Mm -hmm. And Lovie and I do webinars probably uh, every a couple times a quarter. You're producing a lot of content. And hopefully you can find that either on the Moo Moo website or in the community. And so we'll, we'll be posting it. And, and, you know, certainly can follow all the Moo Moo socials to see what we're doing here and what we're, you know, what, what's next to come. Today, we definitely just wanted to talk about just how different countries and how they correlate. You know, let's end off, Justin, with how, you know, U.S. and Singapore, Asia, how we're all interconnected. The world's becoming smaller and smaller. And, you know, as small as people think Singapore is, it's big and the U.S. is now small. So the idea of globalization and so many things every day, everything you put on, everything that is in your house in here in the U.S., at least part of it's probably produced somewhere else in the country. So mm -hmm. trade is just so important uh, for all of these countries and uh, in terms of trading, in terms of these stocks, what's going on in all the uh, different markets. And a, a lot of people in, in the U.S. are too U.S.-centric and focused on mm. what's going on in U.S. markets. And there's lots of other markets. There's lots of other interesting things going right. on. But they're all going to influence uh, these U.S. companies and these U.S. stocks. Even if you only want to trade U.S. stocks, uh, you really need to <laughs> a have lot a good <laughs> understanding. And, and hopefully the listeners today have uh, gained somewhat of what of an understanding of Singapore and, and because it's important to have an understanding of all these different countries and, and how their economies work and how their cultures are different mm -hmm. from the United States. Look forward to seeing your comments and also what you want to see next because of course, Justin, this is just the first of many that we'll be working uh, for podcasts and other content, right? No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was, and it was great to have uh, you on the podcast. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, everyone. Have a great time. The opinions expressed are those of the host and any guest speaker and not necessarily those of Moomoo Technologies, Inc. or its affiliates. The podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only and is not a recommendation or endorsement of any particular investment or investment strategy that may be mentioned or covered in the podcast. All investments involve risk and the loss of principle as possible. Past performance does not indicate or guarantee future success. Moomoo is not affiliated with any outside guests or their companies. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be appropriate for all investors. The Moomoo app is an online trading platform offered by Moomoo Technologies, Inc. Securities, brokerage products, and related services available through the Moomoo app are offered by Moomoo Financial, Inc., a member of FINRA, SIPC.